0: Making a New Year's resolution to hang out the back of all things Argentine football-related. Welcome to Hand the Pod. 2011. We're back. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm sitting here betwixt the two dams, Australian and English. Happy New Year, uh, people. Um, and the Torneo Classura gets started on Friday, so we thought what better time than to give you a first episode of Hand of Pod for 2011 2011, whichever of the two you'd like to call it. Um, the first thing that we must acknowledge, however, not that we like normally talking about international friendly matches is that a match took place just an hour or so ago, as we're recording this, uh, between Argentina and Portugal, in Geneva, not in London, to the consolation of many of my own Twitter contacts, and I think probably a couple of yours as well, who were looking forward to going. But yeah, it's it's finished, and it was, well, it finished 2-1 to Argentina, and there's not an awful lot to say about it, really. No, we, we, well, watched it with you, Sam. Probably
1: more entertaining watching it in a bar full of uh, kind of old geezers, and hearing their Um, but, yeah, as you say, not a lot to say about the game. Um, Argentina probably had the better of it. There's was, there was a big stretch of the second half, which is what always happens with friendlies, where uh, a lot of substitutions and it really broke up the match. But Batista trying a new variation on, on the formation without, some, without really a, a number nine.
0: Yeah, he's, he was quoted, I think, before the game, as saying that he was trying to get the best out of Lionel Messi and trying to play him in this um, kind of false nine position that he's been played in a lot for Barcelona this season.
1: We were actually going to try and avoid mentioning uh, Messi and Ronaldo, but I just realised when I started talking about the formation that it was going to be very hard.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I mean, it's no secret as well that Batista's whole um, game plan for the match is, is to do with seeing whether he can get the best out of Messi, which I think makes some sense, because if Argentina are going to end this very long trophy drought that they've had since the 1993 Copa America, they're going to have to, um, to, to do so by getting their best player to perform to his best. So I can see, you know, why they'd do it. And and likewise, uh, Tevez and Aguero weren't in the squad for the game. Messi's always going to be in the squad because Messi's the one who Batista has to help the team. Yeah, a lot of people are
1: getting fairly anxious about Tevez getting left out. And I'm I'm not sure yet. Some people are saying that uh, there's there's some sort of problem between Batista and Tevez. And what, what I thought is... He was using the chance to use this friendly as a, as a way to try out this kind of plan B, what he calls like a Barcelona-type for, formation. For me, it seemed like a good idea. Maybe we'll find out that, yes, he does have a, a problem with Tevez, which would probably uh, cause cause problems down the road. But no, I thought it was a good chance to, before the Copa America, in you know, a meaningless friendly, to, to try out a different formation. And all in all, I thought it worked okay. I, I thought they lacked a bit of creativity and... In midfield, with the three sort of more more defensive midfielders, with uh, Manega, Cambiaso, and uh, Mascherano. What did you think? Dan?
2: Uh, I think you pretty much you've all pretty much hit the nail on the head, and I'd say Batiste did it as well. I heard him in the press match press conference saying we played well. He's happy with the performance, but there's still kind of a long way to go. There's still, I think he said, the team's lacking a bit of depth at the moment, and I think that's more or less more or less the case. Yeah, the three midfielders. They were kind of very much push for space during the game because Portugal played very much a pressing game. They didn't give them space. like At times, it was brutal to watch when they were hitting Cambiasso and Bonega ben- in, in the middle. And for me, like I'd like to see two of them and maybe Pastore, which would give them a bit more push from midfield. But
1: yeah, I, I remember Bat- Batista, well, he says a lot of things, but he, he, said a, he made a comment a couple of months ago, I think, where he sort of seemed to suggest that he was going to use Pastore like he did today as sort of a... Second half substitute yeah. as you know, a, a bit of a spark to, to mix things up. Yeah, I would probably use him from the start as, as a playmaker to, to combine with Messi, but uh, maybe that's the the idea he has. But Barney is also quite creative as well, and Cambiasa yeah. is intelligent and creative. So, oh,
2: neither of them, yeah, neither of the players are lacking the spark, they, they have the good touches, yeah. But it'll be interesting, I think. They need to m- find a way somehow not to, uh, not to rely on Messi so, Messi so much because obviously they've got. I'll put my neck out and say the best player in the world in their team. But one player, no matter how good, doesn't make a team. So they've got the player and they need to kind of utilise him the best they can, but also be able to get around if he's having an off day or if he beats up an injury. Yeah, exactly. like they, need, they need a plan B for me.
0: Absolutely. And regarding
2: Pastore, I'd like to see him given
0: one of the, the wide positions, mm. possibly out on the left, in, in that kind of three up front rather than in the midfield. It 's easier to say as well after uh, relatively speaking La Mezzi had a, a fairly quiet game, but I think Pastori can do that, and he 's got the kind of the freedom of movement and everything with with how he plays in Palermo as well to to cut inside if he's given a free role and combine well with Messi, obviously we saw during the World Cup when Maradona was essentially sending him on and telling him to just pass the ball to Messi as much as possible and um, Often that was when Argentina started to look most coherent <laughs> it was you know, as opposed to the, the Germany match when Messi ended up having to drop so deep because Maradona just didn't play any. Creatively. Yeah, no. so he left everything to Messi. So there was this gap created during the, between the forward line. The um, the other thing that, that I noticed, which I, I don't really think is much, very relevant to Argentina's side necessarily, but was the referee today was, um, he was giving some very peculiar decisions. There were, at least two body checks, essentially on, on Messi, that I counted, yeah. <laughs> which got away without yellow cards. And then, uh, with about maybe 15 minutes to go, he seemed to realise that he hadn't booked anybody, and started dishing <laughs> them out all over the place. It was really bizarre. Yeah, they always seen, they
1: always give a fair bit of uh, a leeway in, in friendlies, but yeah, yeah then suddenly he generally, decided. But
0: that... well, generally, that's because in friendlies you've not got one team just beating the other team. Well, up. No, that's and I'm, I'm not suggesting that Portugal were, you know, playing a very violent game of. Not to say that, but there was definitely some targeting of, of Argentina's forward line. Oh, definitely, and um, especially,
2: I think, yeah, Messi, obviously, they looked to cut him down as soon as he got the ball, and Cambiaso and Vanega were, for me, like, the three players that were targeted more. But, no, fair play to Portugal, they probably realised that, kind of, player for player, they weren't as strong as Argentina, so they came out with with a very, like, solid game plan to to pressure Argentina all over the pitch, no matter where the ball was, like, they're pressing him in the right half, in <clears> the middle of the pitch, and no, for uh, for 89 minutes, you got to say it worked because it was only a very, very silly challenge at the end on. That, that. was quite, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. quite hilarious. Where, yeah. Yeah. on one of on one of our players as well, like Marte, uh, El Borrito, Martinez for Velez, right? <laughs> you know, a lovely little two minute cameo he got in the yeah, and he won the penalty, but.
1: Well, I love the way he sort of tried to hack, hack down one player and yeah. he kind of missed or he got away with it and then so <laughs> he down
2: the it.
0: second one. In it it was a field. pretty good tackle the first one, it, it was physical, he, he got the man as well, but he, yeah. he got the ball and I, I was happy enough with it and then he immediately
1: The second one, yeah. Completely Just the no, I think the, the other point from the game was um, probably the more long, well, the point with more effect would be that uh, Rojo
2: was started as, as left back, the young left back in that thought he did well. I was with group, yeah. yeah, considering he was um, up against a very decent forward line, like he had to Mark Ronaldo on occasion, but mostly United. Right. Manchester United, yeah. He was in good He's in good form. He's in good form, yeah. He, he looks dangerous. Well. But yeah, I thought
1: he might have been responsible for the the Portugal goal, but looking at it on the replay, he really wasn't. He no, was right. he was marking Nani, and Nani spread it. It
2: was it was an interesting choice for me because if we think that basically Roco's just moved to Spartak Moscow, so he finished his Argentine season in December moved to Russia and he hasn't played a game of football since yeah, the middle of December. Point. So no for him to come off three months of basically inactivity and uh, two months, sorry. My calendar's a little bit messed up. And yeah, to give a decent foot uh, yeah, uh, very forward, well um, yeah, got forward very well in Argentina, let's be honest, they need they need a player like Rojo on the left because I'd yeah. say for for all the years like he's been a great player, like he just can't give that same kind of penetration that he Yeah, well, they they need him on the left certainly if he can keep up that
0: kind of uh, if if he can push on from an initially promising performance. I I was interested that we only bought Ole, um, Ozzy, Dan and me after the game on on our way here as part of our uh, three podcast preparations and um, Rojo seemed to be under the impression that the player immediately opposite him was going to be Cristiano Ronaldo, who of course ended up playing on Portugal's left Um, (laughs) I was talking to the press yesterday apparently about how I've played against him a hundred times on the PlayStation and he never, never gets past <laughs> Which is, uh, he's an optimist if nothing else, yeah. and, and God knows Argentine football needs more of those. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's anything much else to say about yeah. that. Well, um, I, was, I, was, I was wondering what, what you thought of, especially English Dan, as you've just done the, um, as, as we're speaking, you've just yeah. typed up your player ratings for Goal.com. Yeah, I've been um, in
2: my um, Versace Goal.com seat, the sponsored one, and watching it as a yeah. representative of all my other job. <laughs>
0: And yeah, what you made of Argentina's, the other three moments of Argentina's backline, because obviously this is the one thing that is going to keep coming up, is have they got the centre-backs more than anything, and Sanetti, a right back is hopefully never going to give up playing for the next hundred years,
2: because God knows they need him. Bordiso well, and Gabriel Milito? Uh, for me, I was, yeah, as you were saying, I've just come off saying this for a goal, but Bordiso but did did kind of what police always does—he's not going to do anything spectacular or make any last-ditch tackles, anything, anything out the ordinary. But he—he he did what he had to do fairly well, and you know, an average performance. Milito, I thought he—he he looked pretty slow mm. against people like Ronaldo and uh, Almeida, and yeah, it was kind of kind of out class. I wasn't impressed with Milito. Mm. He, and he, he also had, gave the ball away, and he had
0: one moment which caused Ossie down to. Uh, murmur something about the Argentine Beckenbauer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he did kind of search for it. No, but yeah. also remembering that search. he wasn't Batista's first choice. No. Uh, he wanted to
0: try another youngster, Pareja. There. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's the thing. that I like Milito as a defender, although obviously we're all aware that his uh, career for the last two or three years has been ser- seriously mm. disrupted by injury. But it's fairly obvious that they need a
2: bit more pace. Centre back against yeah. these kind of teams if they're playing competitive matches especially. Hopefully I don't know, I don't know particularly when uh, Sam Wood's meant to come back, but he's been out for quite a while, so he should must be coming back quite soon. That'll give them uh, a lot more stability, if not a massive amount of pace at the back. And, yeah, I think oh, for was me little... as uh, watching Argentine football, if they went into the Copa America with Bariso and Samuel it's not a disastrous partnership by any means.
1: Yeah, I was a little surprised that they that Otamendi seems a little bit down the picking order. I thought yeah. he might use this chance to, to try him out as well in the centre back role. There's a few youngsters. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's Ezequiel Garay as well at, at Real Madrid, who's actually has played for Real Madrid <laughs> at some point in the last week or so. Yeah. Um, so he's actually getting some playing time, which which he wasn't previously. And yeah, the, the, there are others, but obviously they without the kind of experience that they're going to get from these friendlies. It's going to be interesting to see who Batista si- uh, signs, <laughs> who Batista calls up for the Copa America. But anyway, the, the Copa America's a while away, yeah? It's a while away, certainly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we've, we've got lots of players who can get injured or lots of players who can make late charges during the rest of the season. So yeah. we'll move on now to... Um, we can talk about the the under-20... 20... The baby Argentines, yeah. 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 They were playing... In, well, in about half an hour's time, they kick off at night. Yes. At the, of the, uh, the The second final of the... Group stage, the final group stage matches, which is actually their fourth game against Uruguay. The reason we say second final is that they lost the first match of the, the final stage. The Sudamericano Sub-20, for those who aren't familiar with the format of the competition, is uh, two groups of five followed by a final group of six. And of that final group of six, five of them this year are going to go to the well, Youth Cup in Colombia, and the reason that it's five of them is because Colombia is the host of already qualified, and have also got into the final group. And the top two go to the London 2012 Olympic Football Tournament. Argentina started off with a loss to Ecuador, Ecuador yes. followed by a 2-1 win. 3-2 win, I believe, against Chile. You're right, you know, me and Dan watched that one in the same cafe we've just come from, watching the, the grown-up Argentina, actually. And then, th- throughout the tournament, really, including the, the first round, they looked fairly leaden-footed and uncreative, and the manager's been making some bizarre choices, which we'll talk about in a second. And uh, Sunday just gone, they clicked into life and put in a really spirited performance against Brazil uh, to win 2-1, with goals from Rogelio Funes Mori, and then a, a brilliant winner from Juan Manuel Torrebe, who's... Moving on to Porto after the tournament and the potential Manchester United target we're now hearing, possibly at the end of the season if they can pitch him off Porto. And now they've got this match against Uruguay, which is obviously another South American classic. So, yeah. Yeah, I've seen, I've watched every game
1: so far actually and yeah, as you say, they they haven't looked, the, the, the coach uh, Walter Perazzo fairly unknown to most people and so far he, yeah, as you say he's made some strange decisions. He, he seems to be Chopping and changing the, the, the team every every single game, which hasn't helped. It's not a very fluid team so far. I mean, they haven't looked like they've combined very well. They don't look like a team that plays together well.
0: And it's not as if he's been chopping and changing, just thinking, oh, this guy's had one bad performance, so I drop him. He's often dropped, you know, the man of the match. Exactly. <laughs> like, the
1: guy who scores the goals in the last game, he's dropped him, and he's changing the formation. He's changing the playmaker. And you would call it, a, as the Argentines say, it's a equipo dulce, like a sweet team. Meaning that they haven't played well, but they always seem to manage to, to get the result that they need, which is which is has happened so far. In almost every game, they no, not almost every game. So most games they they've been outplayed or they haven't looked comfortable, and, and they've managed to win. But yes, they did have a very good game against Brazil. That was was actually a, a fantastic game, what well, I thought it was anyway. It's sort of in this this playing in this quagmire. Brazil had basically they had their, their captain injured in the first about 3 minutes then they had a, a player sent off and a penalty uh, in about after about 6 Between minutes the first
2: 6 minutes yes.
1: yeah Funes Mori converted the penalty so that Brazil were and then they had to make a, a substitution to bring on another defender so they'd lost like three three first choice players in about 7 minutes they'd conceded a goal uh, and before the match I would have said Brazil was a fairly superior team uh, and that sort of even things up, so it was one of these classic South American derbies. It was really a fantastic match, a lot of spite, a lot of fire.
0: And it was, it was quite nice in a way, o- obviously we all sympathise towards Argentina anyway, although none of us are Argentine, but it was nice to see Brazil lose a game in this tournament. At yeah, they, they have, so looked
1: like they look beasts. Pretty, yeah, yeah,
2: well. they, they're all man basically. <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah, they're all massive, massive dudes. What a lot of people want to hear is the new talents that are coming out of Argentina, like, I haven't seen a great deal of it, unlike my colleagues, because I was on a pre-season tour of Colombia for the first bit, so I actually saw a <laughs> little bit more of it. Yeah. No, you know, it was <laughs> to sharpen up my journalist skills, I just to see. get myself in, into shape, really. And so I saw a lot of Colombia at the start, but not so much Argentina, but seeing so the last two games, um, there's been a couple of people that have impressed, like Arturbe, everyone's now talking about him. He's managed to get himself somehow the nickname La Polguita, because he's now apparently the next Lionel Messi which can't be easy. It's which interesting how it's moved on from the new Maradona. <laughs> yeah, now he, it's the new Messi. Yeah. Messi's 23 but, years old. Yeah. But in fact, um, it's,
0: it's still linked as
2: well because he was being called the Guarani
0: Messi six months ago even, Yeah. Uh, when he first came to Argentina.
2: But for me, I think one of the really impressive players was a youngster for La Nusa plays in the field, uh, Rodrigo Batalla, his name is.
0: Yeah.
2: And he's kind of like a... I guess you call him like a, a Cinco over here, like a very kind of steady second midfielder, he, he passes the ball well, obviously, and he likes he breaks up the attack well, and he really impressed me.
1: Yeah, other players that uh, have impressed me, as I said, I mean, the coach, Sperasa, just sort of keeps yeah. changing guys when you, you think that somebody's playing well and he takes him. I, I thought Zuccolini, another number five, has played very well.
0: Bruno Zuccolini.
1: Bruno Zuccolini, the younger Zuccolini. Zuccolini. Zuccolini, Junior, But he hasn't. He seems to be settled into the first team now, but at first he was being used as a sub and getting half a game at a time. I think Ochoa has played well. as a, is that Michael Ojos, the Californian, uh, I think he's played well as a playmaker. Um, others, uh, such as our, our friend uh, Seb Garcia, wasn't so convinced um, that he's doing such a good job. But I think if you hold him up to, say, the uh, Kielme standard or something, maybe not. He's not... Not come completely dominating a game, but in far, as far as uh, the creative players in this team, there aren't many. I, I thought he's been doing a good job, but he's, he was he missed the last Brazil game, so you might not have seen him. Uh, is, is he
0: likely to be playing the Euro once? I was
1: just reading something in Olaya He wasn't in the lineup. He's, he's just he's recovered from the injury, but I guess he's going with the same lineup as the last game.
0: Right. Oh, you were saying yeah he's actually continuing the team on for the first time. Yeah, it, it looks like
1: the first time and he's and kept basically the same team. Yeah, also, so another guy like there's been a lot of good players but none consistently he, he thought of it as well and I thought the comparisons at, at first with Messi were ridiculous he would do a couple of little good things but you know he was very inconsistent but the last couple of games he scored two brilliant Messi-like goals so uh, he, <laughs> that's pretty much
2: all you need really yeah
1: I mean it was really a nice goal against uh, Brazil and another nice one against Chile so if you want to check him out on YouTube very Messi-like as well and Claudio Mosca is the other one that's impressed me really. yeah the Arsenal midfielder, who's offered a, another creative channel as well, apart from shots. But again, he's been subbed off, and subbed on. I guess the main problem is that, uh, in a way, it, it ref, the team reflects a lot—the sort of the, the Argentina we saw in the World Cup, where you've got all these individual, quite good attacking players, but the backline has, has looked quite shaky at times.
0: Yeah,
2: well, I think from what I assume, in as the tournament, that can kind of be generalized for almost every time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you do have to remember that
1: these are, these are kids.
2: And it, it gets really interesting.
0: If uh, I think I asked you actually a, a couple of weeks ago, Aussie Dan, Dan, whether you've ever seen the Sudamericano Suits of which uh, I managed to catch under-17 some Under-17. Yeah, the, the under-17 uh, equivalent, which I, I caught some of about three or four years ago. And the standard there is very interesting because when if you've got a halfway decent player, he looks absolutely head to shoulders above everybody, and nobody has the faintest idea of you know defensive organisation or anything. It's all the managers have just given up trying to teach them and just send them out to go and play. It's a great tournament to watch. We
1: did have a question from Twitter from Inchanga Rupert. Uh, he, he was asking which, uh, whether any of the Argentinian players have have gotten European contracts yet or whatever and I I think we mentioned the only one, right? Iturbe?
2: Yeah, Iturbe has has started
1: for quarter. But he'd be the only one at this stage, right? Yeah,
2: I believe um, Zuccolini's been was in because he um, played quite a few games for Racing at the end of the year and he's also um, made his debut at 16 and he's recognised as a pretty good talent. He was linked with uh, Genoa for a bit but nothing came of that. And of course Funes Moré's been linked with lots and lots of clubs. And uh, Uh, Arrojo, obviously. I think he was... He was linked with Barcelona and all yeah, sorts, but yeah, um, It's person. hard to say, you know. These these reports come in, and yeah. I'm guilty as anyone of reproducing them. But yes, yeah. you never know how much how much truth there is, or if it's just an agent trying to drum up interest for their for their next pay packet. Yeah, exactly.
1: So at this stage, Ito is the only one who looks yeah. certain to be moving to Europe within the next six months, say.
2: But is yeah, a very special case. That's um. A, terribly complicated transfer there which we won't go into now but if you want to do a little bit of research on your own um, go google him and you'll see just how messed up his last year's been
0: if, if you read Spanish then um, his Wikipedia page in Spanish is actually a fairly decent summary of the, of the situation yeah. um, I wouldn't normally recommend that people go to Wikipedia for a specific reference it might get complicated further as well because as I mentioned um, Manchester United have been linked with him now as well but having already agreed to move on to Porto, it, it's, it remains to be seen who United exactly are going to have to, to do their deals with. If you want any ice, Dan, I'll put it in there. The I going we uh, We're just sorting out our beverages here as well and the Please. As, as always, yeah. As, as you'll have guessed, in fact, from the cover image I'm going to be uploading, but we are, as ever, sponsored by Fernet Branca. <laughs> And Coca-Cola, and real Coca-Cola, obviously. If if the makers of either of these uh, beverages would like to get in touch with us and offer some actual sponsorship, by the way, we'll be we'll, we'll be over the moon. Even if you just want to pay for the bottle of each that we buy each week to
1: might be able to move on to talking about a bit of a preview of the the clausura, or more in terms of the transfers and how each team has has gone there. What are your opinions? Who's done well? Who's
2: I think there's been, some, there's been some very interesting transfers in, in the pre-season. Like one of them that stands out for me is uh, Lanus, who have just brought Mario Camoranesi. I think he's 34 now, but still a very yeah. good player. You know, He was in the World Cup for Italy just just a few months back. So. Do
1: you think he'll have trouble adapting to the language and everything? <laughs>
2: it, it could be tricky, yeah.
0: He, he might have trouble adjusting to the, the game in, in the Primera División because, of course, he's never actually played top-five football in Argentina before. No. Um, It'll be a step up there. For, for those who aren't aware, I imagine most right. of our listeners will probably have at least an inkling that Cameron Azzi is actually Argentine. But he played for for Banfield. He's he's completely Argentine, in fact. And even while he was playing for Italy, he always said that he never felt at all Italian. Didn't know any of the words to the to the anthem and all that
2: kind of stuff. Which is an outrageous claim, really. You, yeah, you can't say that. You saved that for your autobiography. Uh, absolutely.
0: And um, he he came up through the youth ranks at Albocibia and then and then moved to Mexico and then came back to Banfield where he played in the second division including in their promotion season before immediately being sold back to Mexico. He went, he went to Cruz Azul the second time round. So at the age of 34 and having made his playing debut at the age of 17 or whatever half his life ago, he's now set to play first division football for the first time in Argentina. And also again, Filanús, yeah. when he's a previous Banfield player, which um, it, it's one of the, the classicos here in Buenos Aires is Manus against Banfield. So how the the uh, Banfield fans are going to <laughs> accept him <laughs> when he comes back to play that first-class he got for them. I'm not sure, it'll be interesting to watch. There's a part of me that's surprised wanted to come back to Argentina as well. Because do you remember a few months ago he was he, he was fined by an Argentine court for breaking a guy's leg yeah, and his ruining his career the city 20 fire. years ago. Yeah. and and it's taken this long. This is the the pace of justice. The Argentine justice <laughs> I
2: mean, full flag.
0: Yeah, it's, it's taken them this long, but they gave him a fine of something like 200,000 euros, or you know, for him, pocket yeah. money, but. For the guy who, who he got fined, who, who he had to deliver the fine so obviously yeah. it would have been a life-changing amount of money.
2: It would have been brilliant 20 years ago when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. But no, apart from Cabronese, which is obviously quite a high-profile one, you've got um, a couple of guys who have come to a racing club. It was uh, Franco Zuccolini, uh, Franco uh, Zuccolini Senior, who's returned on loan for this year after leaving at the age of 18. Mm-hmm. And he's still only 20, but he was kind of... He didn't get too many games in Europe, so he wants to kind of build up. And this is a player who's got a big reputation over here, a lot more, I'd say, than in Europe. People remember when he was a teenager, he burst into the scene. Yeah. And I think with that signing, uh, Racing is, who is a of course, interesting um, signing.
1: Of course, Bruno's brother,
2: who we were talking yeah. about before. And then another guy for Racing, they brought in a Colombian from, from Turkey, Teofilo Gutierrez, who I think in 2009 finished the fourth, highest scorer in the world in kind of top division football we we can
0: tell that Dan's very excited
2: about (laughs) this because of course as he pointed out to us
0: in an email a couple of days ago um, well in fact you can now tell the listeners Dan what happened the last time Racing had two Colombians in ten years ago about this year yeah
2: if we cast our minds back to 2001 the last time Racing posted two Colombians in their squad they finished champions and just as Tottenham are the team who always win when the year ends and won the FA (laughs) Cup we're hoping that when the year starts in two and ends in one <laughs> it's going to be blessings, year it's a pattern that's that's not failed yet
0: this century no, no. we've got 100% record so far very good but that, yeah. that team was managed by the the great mustafa Merlo of course if I'm not mistaken yeah. who um, fans of my own club River Plate don't have quite such happy memories of no. at least for his most recent spell River of not had quite the same success let's say in the transfer market No they been very quiet I
2: was surprised they, they
0: have brought in one very good player Fabian Bordagaray from San Lorenzo it, It's an interesting move actually San Lorenzo to River given the kind of move between the clubs mm. over the last few seasons they've not been the best of friends Obviously it's a classic at the best of times anyway but the last the last few years it's been to watch it on the pitch, I think it's had almost as much bite as the Super Classico even. So it's interesting, a, a player moving from San Lorenzo to River, but that is the only signing that River have made.
2: Yeah, and it was surprising, um, because at the start of the year, River had all these kind of big plans, big dreams. Yeah, they were well, going to bring in Aymar, they were going to bring in... Yeah, and they were linked with Dalisandro, with Aymar, I think, Saviola, for a little bit, even. And then, kind of, Pasarela turned around, yeah. looked in the bank vault, and realised they didn't have a peso, I say. Yeah. Well, that as well was... yeah, that was a bit more concrete, I think, but another one that fell on the wayside. And and as a result of all of these um,
0: failed transfers and the fact that the river don't have any money, uh, we've had unveiled on the front cover of today's Olay actually, some beautiful new shirts. Don't panic if you've bought the the current river shirt, which is a very nice shirt, I have to say, even even if I wasn't a fan. Um, they're exactly the same design. They've just got a really ugly sponsors logo now running down each sleeve. <laughs> and I, I'm kind of fearful that is talking about winning the economic championship. Oh dear. Uh, by which he means getting in as much money, obviously, as he possibly can for the club. There's part of me that fears that it's going to end up looking like a kind of French 1990s football shirt. Yeah. Which, if, if people aren't aware of what French league football shirts from the 90s look like, think a cycling jersey. Just absolutely plastered in sponsors logos.
1: Um, I think Passarello really wants to sell Funes Mori. He he made a comment a few weeks ago, I think, where he said if we sell Funes Mori, we're going to be great economically. He wants to sell him for about 10 million euros, I think. Well, they will
0: be, because however much they sell Funes Mori for will be (laughs) at least twice what he's worth. (laughs) (laughs) He's He's not a hand favorite if anyone remembers. He's he's not one of my favourites. The thing is... I I don't mind him. I think
1: Sam's got the the problem with him being a river fan. He's
0: he's obviously a, a talented footballer, he's got good technique, he's got a lot of good assets to his game, but he's a striker who doesn't score goals. which is a handicap regardless of how, how good he's gonna be if you know if they can move him back into central midfield and tell him to start being passes forward, he could be a revelation, but if you ask him to score goals, he's not going to. And that's that's what's really shot River in the foot recently because they've had matches for the last few years, even when they were getting into this relegation mess, where they've dominated the play, they've created lots of chances and they can't put the ball in the net. Having said that, I'm not too worried about the lack of activity for them in the transfer window because, no. as I said, Borrego the one player they've brought in, is a decent player. And also, towards the end of the the Apertura, they were starting to gel nicely and they were yeah. definitely starting to improve.
1: Yeah, these young guys are coming through very well. Uh, yeah. And, of course, they have sold uh, Ariel Ortega. Oh, well, they have, they haven't they've loaned him out. they've loaned him out. It's impossible contract, to
0: sell him. which is... <laughs>
1: To All Boys, yeah, they extended his contract, loaned him out to All Boys, so he should be uh, one of the figures of that team, the All Boys team. Yeah, yeah, there was all these jokes about the uh, Shrek because Fabiani, the the big fat striker for um, All Boys, his nickname is the Ogre or, or Shrek, I think they call him as well sometimes. Uh, and of yep. course, uh, Ortega is, is the donkey, so yeah, there was like, all these Shrek jokes when he first transferred.
2: I'm sure you are going to have a hell of a lot of fun with that if. Um if yeah. you do click, you yeah. All by doing we'll see some very, very badly photoshopped
0: images on the yes. front covers. And
2: well, and the other big
1: transfer, well, the huge transfer story which went on for ages was Erviti to Boca, which it, which it is a, a, a probably a good move for them. As firstly, as backup for Raquelme, and also I think they yeah. they would plan to play him as well if Raquel May
0: is is fully fit. Yeah, they they showed. I think the day he confirmed the transfer, mm. um, they say sports. Uh, on their one of their many football chat shows, say Sports. When there's yeah. no game on, it's essentially just they, they just four blokes sitting around a table talking about football. Unless pictures of girls on the beach. Yes. And, yeah, and that's that, that yeah. as well during the summer. But they had an image showing Bocca's likely formation, which had Oviedo on the kind of left of, of a three-man midfield, with obviously Riquelme in that yeah. classic Engan just. is, a, is a
1: creative, or is it, is a kind of playmaking midfielder. Yeah for those who
0: haven't seen it, He, he very much played this, the kind of role that, that Riquelme does for Boca, but he, he was doing it for Julio Cesar Falcioni's Banfield side, and then Falcioni obviously took over at Boca after the Clausura ended and wanted to bring Bermitti with him, and it was, uh, which is why it became such a, a long-running saga. The only longer-running saga in Argentine football this summer was Mauro Formica, mm-hmm. who eventually... <laughs> Moved to Blackburn Rovers after being touted around half of Europe. Seemingly, can either of you tell our listeners maybe about the kind of player that Blackburn can be expecting when he eventually, if he eventually gets playing time for Blackburn?
2: Well, I can tell them that they shouldn't be expecting uh, Batistuta so No, that's, that's not yeah, the new Batistuta. <laughs> which was kind of worrying because the Blackburn manager seemed to be expecting um, a big target man number nine in the shape of you know, the incomparable Batistuta <laughs> and um, for me, because more. I'd say he's not quite an, an orthodox enganche, He's more—he's an advanced central midfielder, but he passes the ball very well, and he does score goals. Like, let's be fair to—be fair to him, he does score goals. Oh, he does score goals, and he's a very good yeah. player.
0: It's just that he doesn't score at the rate of slightly more than one every other game. No. He scores at the rate of slightly under one every. Yes,
1: four and games he is—he is a midfielder, and he's yeah. fairly fine. Uh, he's not. Not a big target man like mm. Batistuta. Yeah. Um, I think
2: maybe, I don't know, I might be going out on a little bit of a here, but if you thought someone like um, Paul Skulls from Manchester United, you might not be a million miles away from
0: work. Yeah, yeah a little less he's robust, maybe. Little, you know. Yeah, yeah. imagine. Yeah, and, and, I and I he's, he's more mobile than Skulls has been for probably the last seven or eight years, mm. but he's, yeah, that's not a bad likeness. Well. And he, he does look at an awful lot like um, Kaka as well. But yeah, the um, for Blackburn fans who are listening, the the Gabriel Batistuta comparisons... um begin and end with the fact that they're both Argentine and they both started out at Newell's, yeah. and, and that's we'll <laughs> it, it doesn't down. go beyond that so uh, don't get too excited if you're expecting someone who's going to score 40 goals next season in the Premier
2: League. And, and think of any other transfers of note? Well I mean going back to uh, Rojo who we were talking about he's just left Estudiantes right? and it was basically Estudiantes lack of ambition as press say in the transfer market which caused uh, Alejandro Savela who's to yes. be one of the best five Argentine managers around To walk out on the team just before the season started
0: Yeah, um, which was quite a story It was on, when was it, Saturday or Sunday? Yeah, about a, no, no, it was Thursday, Thursday the, last yeah.
2: week um, Yeah,
1: it was about eight days before the season started yeah, um, yeah. We, we did have a question as well Longshu on Twitter where He was asking about that He was asking uh, whether Estudiantes can keep up the, the, the level that they had last year Now that he's left I think they will
2: They'll definitely be there or thereabouts, so I can't see them dropping down to mid-table because even though they've lost a couple of players, and Argentine teams are always going to lose a couple of players, they've got a new manager who I believe was uh, Bielsa's assistant in Chile. Yeah, but he saw yeah. that's his
1: whole shtick, is that he, yeah. he basically said, uh, my influence is you know, 100% yeah. Bielsa. So Which
2: goes yeah. down very well in South America. It
1: does. Um, and,
2: no, I still think, you know you look at the Estudiantes team and they've got talent all over the pitch and so they they're going to be competitive again. One thing is I
1: think they're going to be concentrating on the on the libertadores yeah. this year so you might see them and it, it's possible that they won't be as competitive in the league if they decide yeah. to concentrate wholly on that. we will they'll
0: still be second, yeah. But obviously no side's ever yeah. since the short championships came in in Argentina in 92 I'm going to say 92 be. 91 yeah. 92 um, no side's ever yet won the club and the libertadores. In the same year. But I, I think they'll be okay and I, I don't buy into this we've heard some rubbish here in Argentina about how Seba Beron was not seeing eye to eye with Sabella, and, and he forced him out and all yeah. of this but at the end of the day they had three very very good years together as the kind of key figureheads of, of Estudiantes, the manager and the most important player and future president and all of the rest of it, which which is Beron but at the end they've, they've kept a really um, kind of solid core group of players yeah. and whilst I don't think that Verón was calling the shots tactically or anything his presence in the continuity an yeah. of the club for the moment is going to be very important and, and I think he'll he'll kind of step up and, and help to keep the younger players calm if you will mm-hmm. during, during this transition um, which is going to be a transition but also let's not forget Savella himself came yes. in what, three or four games into the season, the club saw it yeah. three years ago Having and ended up winning the Libertadores? Before. Right, it's yeah. yeah. so much easier when Having it's a stable been, uh, club
1: with the same players, yeah. so it makes everything so much easier. Exactly. Estudiantes
0: yeah. are one of the best-run clubs in South America over the last few years and that's why they've been as consistent as anybody in the um, in the title challenges in Argentina. It's incredibly difficult to continue competing for the title every single short championship, as they have done. And they want won a couple of Libertadores. You know, it's it's not been a fluke. They're they're a very well-run club, aside from just the management. And so, I think they'll be. I think so, yeah. They'll they'll be alright Definitely, if if they have a slight dip during the
2: Clausura, then certainly for the upper Dora, they'll be right back. Yeah, exactly. Right back on. I think um, maybe to kind of round off what we've been saying about transfers. Another of the really exciting ones for a team that's already dripping with talent in Argentine terms is. uh, David Ramirez, who's moved from Godoy Cruz to Vélez. And Ramirez, for me, maybe if he wasn't the player of the tournament, he was definitely up in the kind of top three or four. Yeah. Because he was fantastic at um, number ten for Godoy. It's it's a shame
0: that he didn't stay with Godoy because of course he's not moved to Velez for a Copa Libertadores football because Godoy yeah for the first time ever a team from Mendoza qualified for the Copa Libertadores off their own back last season. So it's a shame that he didn't kind of stick around but I'm just not really sure where
1: he where he fits into the into the starting formation.
0: True, I mean yeah, him be, be behind Martinez. Who You've got Martinez and and, and Santiago Silva. Silva, and then uh, but then the playmaker. Yeah. So
2: I'm guessing the main reason behind that is so they can be competitive on oh, yes, on uh, yeah. domestic and Rotating. international level. Yeah,
0: Either that, or they're planning to play four across <laughs> the four across the front.
2: I wouldn't put it past um, a Premier team. I'm sure it's been tried before.
0: Yeah, okay. but especially Gareco, who's got he's very. Uh... He's, he's an eccentric chap.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't particularly like him and I don't no. particularly like Velez, but it has to be said they did play some good football it, <laughs> yeah. Controversial stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I'm... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'll try uh, my hardest. But I'm, I'm actually going to. Well, I might get to see Ramirez in action because I'm going to be going to Independiente against uh, Velez on, oh, yes. on Friday evening. I'm taking a, a couple of. Austrians as uh, Austrian visitors to Buenos Aires as as part of uh, the salmon dam enterprises. If anybody else is visiting Buenos Aires anytime soon and wants to go to a game with us, get in touch. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm
1: looking forward to that. That's actually I actually haven't been to the Independientes new stadium. Oh, there's not much to see. It's not finished. Yet. Yeah, that's so I've heard.
2: It's, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say too much because it's going to sound you know like a really prejudiced. Yeah. It's yeah, it's not it's not the best stadium you can. Visit. Let's say
0: they've been very clever with their promotional photo- photography and stuff if you visit their website they, they've taken everything in terms of the, f- the photographs for their nice new shiny stadia facing away from the stand that's still being built um and when i first went there it was probably a month and a half or so it was no actually it might have been it, it was the start of the the club the, the apertura so it was about three or four months after i got out to buenos aires last year and um I got a shock, because I had no idea that it was only three quarters built. <laughs> and so we got it inside, and I turned around to my friend and went, they've not finished building that stand. And she went, no, no, it's still being built. Isn't <laughs> it the um, South American Old traffic, no? uh, <laughs> uh, allegedly, yeah. It, it looks like it South on the Fighters release, things. yeah. But it's it's it's
2: going to be a nice cram when it's finished, but when the hell it gets nah. finished is, is I think they managed to, to, to spend all sure. the money from uh, Cuneguero and so now they're just looking for another <laughs> yeah. another youngster to spend to sell
0: before Al- although I feel the in the interest of impartiality with, with Dan the Racing fan mocking it in, in those <laughs> stuff I feel that I should point out that the main reason Independiente had to move back into it before it was finished was that they were ground sharing with Racing, and Racing decided to up the rent well as we, we had
1: remember we had Francisco the Independiente fan on here in the last episode last year and he's he's he said the problem was that the, the the owner was, you know, starting all these sort of doing everything half-assed. Basically, he was started building the the stadium, started forming a t- a team, but not really finishing anything. And um, so maybe if they concentrate on one thing at a time.
0: Yeah, the mentioning Independiente though has just reminded me of the other um, potentially big transfer, mm-hmm. depending on how he turns out during yeah. the club. Uh, so I knew we'd forgotten somebody. Which <laughs> is Matias de Federico, who was one of the two real stars alongside Palermo's Javier Pastore of the Huracan side, which very nearly won the title a couple of years ago, and then moved to Corinthians, he's now come back to Argentina and has been signed by Independiente and in fact has played a really big part already for them because he scored one of the goals in the Copa Libertadores qualification round against Deportivo Quito. So he's started off well and it looks like he's going to be a Really important. It could players, be a really good yeah. signing for them. Another player who River missed out on this as well, actually, because they were they were
2: talking about bringing him in themselves. That's an interesting one because I think, unlike you guys, I cover quite a lot of Brazilian football for my job as well. So mm-hmm. I can't say I saw him that much because he didn't play too much in Corinthians, which was the which was a problem. But he's um it's interesting his career seemed to uh, still it was yeah it, it, if we compare him with, with Astoria, Astoria, because, exactly yeah it's yeah. about two months between them in age they're sort of the same position very kind of similar players. Uh, Pastore chose to go to Europe where, well, we all know how well he's doing with Palermo and now he's in the, in the national squad. And De Federico, I think, maybe moving to Brazil, or maybe moving to anywhere at his age, he wasn't kind of as mature as Pastore was and maybe he didn't adapt to the culture very well and that's why it stalled a bit. But the other one of
1: that that Huracan, uh, huracan team was uh, Volati uh, mm. who also <laughs> hasn't done that well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got well, my story has, has just soared since then and then
2: I guess it kinda of sums up what what we always say about these um Argentines that end up going to Europe. Sometimes at you know, a very young age they can go at 20, 19, sometimes a little bit older kind of. Mm. It's always very hit and miss which ones are. Uh, are really going to kind of take to the football, take to the increased pace, the increased pressure of European football? And which ones just basically can't, can't hack it while I, they're I young or can't and, hack well and it at
0: all? And too. culturally as well. Culturally, yeah, yeah. You know, some, some players are more mature than others. I mean, Andres D'Alessandro is a very good yeah. example of a player who moved to Europe and during the first season and a half that he was with Wolfsburg, he was superb. Yeah. He, he He went there at the age of 21 or something. Yeah. The club president at the time, right after Wolfsburg had been promoted into the, the Bundesliga 1, made no secret of the fact that he was expecting D'Alessandro to carry the team. And for the first season, D'Alessandro did carry the team, and they finished a lot higher up the table than anyone expected. Personally, he wasn't, you know, he, he quite clearly has some issues with club presidents, regardless of which continent yeah. he's on, and he didn't end up, you know, hacking it in Europe to quite the extent that he might have done. And, and so there's, there's a personal level to it as well. But oh, definitely, yeah. It's certainly true to say that the. The increased pace, and I think especially the amount, not so much the physicality, but the amount of pressing that there is in Europe is a very different thing. Because you can watch a game in the Argentine league, and nobody bothers to to press until the team are into their own half. Whereas, you know, to European eyes, it can look very, very slow and it can look like they're not really trying. I think
1: it's definitely related to, as you're saying, a a cultural thing and the the way that uh, Argentines are very family-orientated and very almost kind of neighborhood oriented. Yeah. For a lot of players, it's very difficult to be away from their families, be away from all their friends. Uh,
2: I mean, even someone like Tevez. Yeah, exactly, I was going to mention Tevez as outside example. of Argentina for six, seven years at right. least now. And he still has trouble with that kind of... So
0: the, the other really big uh, transfer before we move on and probably realize that we've missed about three hours <laughs> whilst I'm mastering this tomorrow, um, is the return, and this will be one that interests our American Listeners, particularly, uh, the return from Major League Soccer uh, of Guillermo Barroscelotto to Gimnasia La Plata, the club where he really kind of started to make his name prior to a very, very long and successful spell with Boca Juniors. Mm. How old is he now? About 53? 61. 61. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. And yeah, he's, he's moved back to Gimnasia. He's a baby boomer. Who, along with, with River and, and a couple of other. Probably bigger than they should be. Clubs are uh, battling against relegation at the moment this season, and he's quite determined to try and get them out of this in the same kind of way that Beron has has come. Well, you know, came back whenever it was two thousand and six or so, and and has had such an influence on his doing the anthems across the city. And um, one of the things that I remember him being quoted as saying was that he left Team Nacia. And they were battling for the title, and they were a really, you know, in a really, really good moment footballistically speaking. There's, there's a, a word in Spanish <laughs> that I love, and I'm trying to introduce it to the English language, and it's not catching up. We'll
2: we'll get there in the end. Yeah, <laughs> Hand well, blood reaches many corners.
0: N- n- now that we've got the the media to talk through, as well as really the written word, I'm hoping to get it out. There. Um, footballistically speaking, Qunasi <laughs> were, a, you know, going through a really, really good spell with Baroshin off the left, and. Now they're right down in the mire, and he was saying that he, he wants to show that he's there for the club when they're in a really bad place as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how much he plays, because yeah. you know th- th- there was something on on Cancha Xena, which is the sports-specific website of La Nacion, the country's second biggest newspaper. A couple of days ago, said that there were really kind of five veterans, and this. All oh, right, I'm, I was going to mention it. Yeah. I'm trying to find a way of tying this in now to the the Clausura that's coming up, rather than just transfers five veterans who are going to define this season and they were I think one of them was Martin Palermo inevitably uh, Palermo uh, Almeida Meron. Almeida Verón Esteban Fuertes ah. for, for uh, Colón Sciavi was one of them actually so Palermo might not have been
1: no I think there was more than five because they mentioned Ariquan he's only 32 but right uh, Sciavi and um, it touched. Well, I think we touched on last last yeah, about yeah, all the veterans. And I'm not sure the Barros
0: was was one of the five who they chose for their little photo montage on the front, <laughs> but he's he's one of the ones who's going to have a very big say, in, particularly given the history of Gimnasia, the oldest club in South America, who are still going,
2: and all the rest of it. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on again in Argentina. To be honest, I hope that Gimnasia use him well and he does well, because they're really a big club. Like you don't really. You wouldn't really notice it if you just started watching Argentine football for the last two years because they're just kind of another name down the bottom of the table. But they're the I, wouldn't, I don't know if they, I'd even say they're the second club in the plata because they're almost on an equal footing with Estudiantes in terms of history, in of terms Larry. of um, yeah. fan base, and this. But it's it seems been... like just for the last last few years they've been horribly mismanaged. No, but I think Messi are a club that. I've quite a lot of affection among the neutrals here because they're a club with a lot of history and they've also got Angel Kappa who's you know, a, a coach who's got a proven a proven style of play, it's an attractive style of play. Yeah. So 10, but 10 would it be see. enough to drag him out of the mire? I we'll don't see. think so. I think they'll still be down at the bottom.
0: And uh, the problem, I think, that, you know, obviously, as uh, somebody who watched a lot of River Plate last year, and will be carrying on doing so this year, in fact. I'm not sure that Kappa's philosophy is entirely suited towards a, a relegation battle. No, I was um, going to say, yeah. Because it's very nice to watch his team like, like it was with Huracan during that championship challenge season with Pastore and, and De Federico and Mario Polati. Yeah. <laughs> but once they were um, left. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's nice to watch them when they're going well, but when they. When the most important thing is just to get results, or you're going to go down, he doesn't seem to have as much of a clue. So it's going to be really interesting to see how him and Salotto, Barro get on. And, and, and also, regarding the, the size of Gimnasia in La Plata, it's only really the trophy count that Estudiantes are yeah. considerably ahead on. We're, we're going to be introducing a, uh, are we doing this right now, do you think, are you are ready for this stuff? An, a new right, feature. And we need to to explain this first, otherwise it will sound merely like a, an in joke among the three of us, which is precisely what it is, so we 're going to open the in joke up to our listeners. Um, Australian Dan some months ago uh, was lucky enough to to find another source of income um, during his his freelance writing days and is now also freelance writing. Are you still doing it, actually, Dan, or has it um, stopped I probably will do it again this year, yes. And, and, okay, so he's, he's working um, as a freelance writer writing horoscopes uh, for a lady in, in the United States? <laughs> yes, ghostwriting horoscopes. So, yes, if, if you're an, a reader of American ladies' magazines um, and you pay attention to the horoscopes, it might very well be... Dan I don't know if ladies' magazines. Very... I actually don't know where they publish. Who's, who's reading your stars? How how the stars how reading the stars works for Northern Hemisphere readers when we're here in the South and can see constellations that you can't, <laughs> we don't know. On this basis on the basis of his predictions for the Composite Americana final last season, which went superbly well, he was only one goal off, he can get right. the scoreline correct, we're going to be asking Dan to predict some of the results for each week of the Klausura, and hopefully by next week or the week after we'll have a little theme tune for this. Uh, I've written to our theme tune composer to ask for one, um, but for now... <laughs> We're going to introduce
2: Mystic Dan. Mystic Dan. All right, as,
1: as I mentioned before, I'm not going to do a, a funny voice, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
2: a shame. He does have a crystal ball here,
1: though. Also, we'll see how long this lasts, you know, before, you know after two or three weeks when I've gotten, like, zero right. Oh. All right, so my predictions for this week. And the, the weird thing is that I actually wrote these several months ago, like, before I even had seen the draw. I mean, I, I woke up <laughs> one morning, I'd, I'd written these on my wall in my own blood, kind of thing. Um, anyway, these are the ones I wrote. Uh, so... The uh, Estudiantes News, The first game, I've gone for Estudiantes for the win. Then we have uh, Independiente Vélez, the one the match we're going to. I've gone for I've actually gone for Independiente here. Olímpo Banfield. I've gone for the away team Banfield. San Lorenzo. I've gone for the win over Gimnasia de La Plata. Uh, I think Gimnasia will do well this year, but uh, in this first game, San Lorenzo. Uh, Colón for the win over Quilmes. Uh, Always Racing. Uh, I've gone for Racing, Boca to win in the Bombonera against Coro Cruz. I've gone for River to win away to Tigre, and then the last two games I've gone for draws: Lanús, Arsenal, and Huracán Argentinos, both draws. All right. Thank so you very We much. should. We'll put them up on the website. And, so we
0: can. Yeah, I'll I'll try and remember to to list those on on the hand of pod.
2: Um, on the, on the same page that so you'll find the download for this song. and if you find that he's got all 10 room please feel <laughs> free to rat in and tell him Yeah, not ever do that
1: again, uh, do no, that no, again. As, I, as I did with the sort of medic I, w- I would suggest that you bet on that um,
0: <laughs> yeah I'll place an accumulator on that
1: yeah, yeah I mean whatever money you've got free or even money that you can't really afford to yeah. spend I would probably bet on, on those predictions <laughs>
0: London Pod <laughs> does not yet have a betting partner but if anybody would like to approach us about sponsorship we're, we're pushing to get some money for the new year as you've noticed in, in your crystal ball Aussie Dan or just in in your imagination <laughs> English Dan do any of them look particularly
2: enticing apart from obviously all boys racing which you are going to, English no? Um I think uh, a very entertaining game for the first weekend of the season will be uh, Boca Godoy in the Bombonera because I think it was a uh... I'm probably gonna get this wrong, but a two drawer draw in the in the opening fixtures of the upper builder? or maybe one of? Good question. And it was uh, an entertaining yeah. game, and both have got a lot of attacking talent and not the best defences, so that always that always leaves it open to some good, good entertaining and, football.
0: And both with new managers coming in as well, obviously, course, yeah. as well as Falciani taking charge of Boca. Um, I Cruz lost their manager over the summer due to a dispute over. Not entirely unreasonably, he he thought he might have deserved the pay rise for becoming the club's most successful ever manager.
2: Since he took him from relegation candidates to a couple of Aterores, I think it was,
0: yeah, I think we justified And And the board disagreed with him. So he's now managing them in Ecuador and he's been replaced by someone whose name I forget. (laughs) He's been managed
2: by the the Uruguayan Jorge da Silva.
0: Ah, that's right, yeah. Former...
2: I'm going to say former Peñarol manager. He'll probably turn out to be Nacional he? Peñarol sounds right, yeah. But yeah. As, as a South American expert, as I pretend to be, That's, that does sound right.
0: And, and as somebody who, yeah. who managed in Uruguay and is now managing outside Uruguay, he's almost definitely managed one of those two clubs. Yeah. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed on that one. And obviously with the restructuring they've had to do as well, following David Ramirez being sold to Vélez, it's going to be interesting to see how Godoy and, and Bocca get on against each other. Tigre yeah. River, I'm not quite so confident that Renault... No. Although... The you one win today
2: destroys. You can It's
0: very hard to get a result, especially at Tigo's ground. But yeah. in fact, I have to say that a very entertaining game does look like the one that English Dan's go into all boys racing. Yeah, I think,
1: yep, be. Be, I think the one we're going to as well uh, should be. Yeah,
0: it, it'll be a, a nice trip down to Valencia. how we're going to get back at midnight, I'm not sure because it's the last, game, <laughs> the last match of the of the evening.
1: Um, so, what do you think in context of the the season? Who
2: do you like? I would be tempted to go for a couple of teams that aren't in uh, the Libertadores, realising that it's very difficult to do well in both competitions. So The teams that, I don't know if they necessarily will do well, but they have to do well, uh, San Lorenzo and Boca, because they've really put a lot of money in this year buying new players. and Good players as well. I mean, I don't know exactly why Boca didn't buy any defenders after some fairly shocking defending last year, but they've got, apart from Herbitti, they've brought a couple of other players, like domestic midfielders, who are good. Probably could have done with buying a striker. As we speak, the star of the show, zombies, well, come in zombie, on a rampage. Furious panting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Boca really need a good season. It's, they had an awful 2010. And but I think maybe if not if not the title, they could be looking at top four, top five. That'll be the that'll be the aim. So I think Crescenzza, I think could do something this year.
0: I I think Boca's first couple of games are going to going to be everything in in those terms because the size of the club and the way that the media pile onto everything that they do if they don't hit the ground running then I can quite easily see the whole thing just the same cycle starting over again when obviously we saw it with Borgi where he was maybe slightly too nice to be the manager of such a massive club Falcioni isn't that kind of guy no Falcioni certainly isn't too nice to be manager of anybody (laughs) 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 but I, I can I can see it kind of affecting them again as the team and the other thing is of course whether Raquel is going to be able to stay fit for any length of time yeah, that's because a we question. saw him take a very long time to get fit during the during the Apertura
2: and a very short time to get injured again and yeah
0: and literally what <coughs> one match in six game, minutes yeah. or something before he was knobbled against, yeah. against River for me the, the teams that I like I, well I, I really hope that all boys obviously keep up the performance mm. that, they, that they did and, and stay well clear of relegation but yeah it, it'll be interesting to, to keep an eye on and how all boys get on. And also I'm looking forward to seeing Godoy Cruz in their first Libertadores campaign. I'm hoping that they, that they can also keep up a kind of at least high mid-table in the Clausura. But for the Libertadores it'll be, it, it's mm-hmm. nice to, to see a team who aren't from one of the really kind of the big footballing hubs of Argentina given a chance for it as well and obviously they're in the same group as Independiente sure. and
2: your title candidates Sam, if you don't mind us putting you on the spot title candidates I think of although they are
0: in the Libertadores and although they've both made no secret of the fact they're going to be going for the Libertadores I think it's going to be Valencia Estudiantes so again it, it's a very boring prediction but they were comfortably ahead of the others last season in yeah. terms of not, maybe not You know, miles and miles ahead in terms of the points count at the end of the season but in terms of the football they played uh, I think it's going to be those two again with with maybe, let's see, who can I throw in to throw a bit of a curve? Who's board? your dark horse then? I, I'm going to say racing. After, after Dan's two Colombians, I prediction. Can't, given I can't s- see
2: that that pattern failing. Just I can't. No.
0: No, I, I'm, I'm going to say Racing, but then obviously you know the last class with the estudiantes getting distracted by the, the Libertadores and everything. We ended up with Argentinos as the champions yeah. for an amazing penultimate game against Independiente, and you know that's part of the reason that we all like football here so much. So. I
2: think we can all safely say that 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 won't be happening again. <laughs> I, I don't think we can say say that enough. it it is extremely hard
1: to predict because yeah you, yeah you know, there's so many changes in every team at the start of every season and you, you know the the and all this, it's really, really hard to predict. I've just made up my mind now while you guys were talking. About. I'm, I'm going for um, Racing. I like Racing a lot. I think they have a really have an awesome midfield. They have Jacob, who's a very good number five. They've, they've got young Zuculini. They've got old Zuculini. They've got Gio Moreno, one of the the best playmakers in the league. And now they've brought a I, I know nothing about this Colombian striker, but what they wanted was a striker. So now they've got their striker. Now I mean, to, to going,
0: Klaviyo,
2: yeah, like. no, I mean, going into the season here, yeah, um, I've got fairly high hopes to wrestling I think there's a couple of things that could stop them really kind of fulfilling their potential and pushing for a championship one of them is the defence they really needed to bring in a quality central defender and it didn't happen and it looks like it's not going to happen and the other thing is that I think they've got one of the youngest squads in the entire league their average age even before Zuccolini came back in was 22 Mm -hmm. which is very young and that could count against them if it goes into the final straits and really gets down to a championship dog fight because the last few rounds are just the same as as our dogs are looking about the fight. It's a dog fight. <laughs> yeah,
1: as you said, I mean whether they win it win it or not, I think they, I reckon they'll be up there. Uh, San Lorenzo as well. Um, I would think that um, Ramondias, if he's had, he's, he's been able to bring in six players or so many players. You know, I, I think he might be forming a, quite a formidable unit there.
2: And what do we think about River? Because that was everyone be seems my... to forget that everyone we think that they had a nightmare season last year, but they actually finished fourth. They, they were going to be
1: my dark horses. I, I was going to say they're, they're going to be the other ones that are. They the, the youngsters do look very good. And, uh, I think Lamela is going to come on even more this year.
2: I guess they might have if it kind of gets down to it and they're challenging. They might have a similar problem to racing. Can People like Lamela, Funemori, Lansini, who are mm-hmm. very talented players but on the wrong side of 20. <laughs> yeah. Do they have the experience, do they have the, the kind of know-how and the, the nows to uh, really kind of push forward and kind of grind out 1-0 results? That seemed to be Rivers' problem. Yeah. They couldn't finish games and they couldn't grind out... I, I didn't mention River because I don't want to tempt fate. Um, <laughs> That's what, yeah, you know, I think you guys
0: it, it both
1: failed to mention your, your own teams, yeah. uh, which, which is why I mentioned them, but I, yeah, I think they'll both be up there.
0: But yeah. um, it, it has to be accepted that they did have a much better season, half season during the Apertura, than, than was expected of them. And as I said earlier, with, with the transfers, they, they weren't too active, but given how they played last season, they didn't necessarily have to be. It's well, if, if River, it,
1: if they'd right. bought in one or two good players, I, I, yeah. or Definitely. one or two more than they did, I, I would have said that they were one of the favourites. Yeah. Um, they really failed to bring in anybody, which is why I have them as, as
0: more of a dark horse. Yeah, but I, I think you're right about man. I think he's going to come through this season. And also, it's going to be interesting to see whether he plays alongside Manuel Lazzini. Yeah, And of course, he's, uh, he's Buonanotte, we shouldn't door. forget. Yeah. Well, yeah, Buonanotte, they're talking about having him on the bench for the first right. round. Right, it, it round. looks it's like started.
1: Lanzini might be... Pushing so one like another, so I'll tempo what I said by agreeing with you guys. I think Vélez and Estudiantes are still the, the, yeah, the best teams by far. Um, but I, yeah, as we talked about, I think they're going to be distracted by the by the
0: Libertadores and one of the smaller clubs like River might like, well <laughs> exactly <laughs> one of the push through and steal a, a 34th title. Yeah, on, on that note, having just glanced at my watch and realised that I'm going to have to edit this down for around an hour and a half. Recording <laughs> And I'm going to be rushed tomorrow because I'm recording a, a guest slot as well on on Gib Football Show. Give a up.
1: premium uh, season preview edition. Yeah, An hour and a half long.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you listen to that, I'll, I'll try and remember to link to it on the Hunt uh, and Pop blog as well. Then you'll be able to hear me talking with immense knowledge about the Argentine side and the Copa Libertadores as well. Probably it's got a little bit, bit s- less
2: than that as well. Yeah, quite
0: possibly. Yeah as well as contributors who are covering Brazil and the rest of the continent so yeah look out for that for now we're going to play you out and we'll rejoin you next week when hopefully we'll be slightly more on our game and, and back into it we've not recorded anything for nearly two months so if today's podcast was slightly rocky, we apologise <laughs> I will apologise for do Dan apologises <laughs> for nothing <laughs> I don't apologise for really. anything and nor does the other Dan so if, if today's podcast was slightly rocky, I'll apologise um And you'll hear more from us next week. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.